and you can fill it at your home or wherever you are. Uh, just a couple of announcements. There's no PM service tonight, so uh, get ready for today. Uh, don't look at the clock. Don't watch the clock <laughs> because we just want to experience all that the Lord has for us this morning. And I know he's got great things. Um, Master Link Ministry, they're going on their first outing, I guess you would say, mission. They're going to Pretty Place right there. It looks just like that. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, on March the 20th. Now, I want you to see Israel or Ashley for times and details, but I will tell you this. It's going to be an early start, like 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning, um, that you will be leaving. Yeah, so that just cut most of the people out. <laughs> oh, you're on your own, Ashley. <laughs> Ashley and Israel. No, but, uh, but if you would like to go with them, they're going to go up there, um, do some... Praise and worship and um, have a devotion, things like that. But if you would like to join with them in going, uh, the good news is we gain, right? Yeah, we gain an hour the week before. So um, they may not have to leave quite. Is that right? I'm sorry. We lose an hour, but we gain more daylight. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all, I'm, I'm pregnant. I, my brain doesn't work. So... Um, just see Ashley and Israel, and they will be happy to share details with you. And I, I know they would love for you to be a part of this. But if that one's just too early, I'm sure they'll have ones uh, at a later time <laughs> that, uh, that you can be a part of. Then on Sunday, the 21st, we will have our first fundraiser meal uh, after the AM service. And this is going to be soup and grilled cheese. And we ask that you would sign up. There's a sign-up sheet on the back um, in the uh, foyer there on the what is that information desk. And uh, I'm struggling this morning. <laughs> but you can sign up to bring soup, crackers, cheese, bread, sour cream, all kinds of stuff. Um, so please sign up before you leave. And then our Boston butt sale is in full swing. And uh, we want you to order one. Uh, we want you to sell as many as you can. And if you have a place of business that they will allow you to put up a sign-up sheet, uh, we will deliver for 10 or more. Pickup days are Friday or Saturday. Saturday. Just be sure to specify on the sign-up sheet which day you would like to pick yours up. A whole butt is $35. You can buy it by the pound, $10 a pound. So um, please do that also before you leave. Oh, I forgot the hat. We now have lakeside hats. And if you can see them, they're really nice. Jason asked me if I was going to put it on this morning and wear it up here. I was like, nah, they'll get the idea of <laughs> me, me holding it up here. But it just says Lakeside Church. Um, the cost of these hats are $15. Uh, I know we just have a limited amount right now, but we'll be picking up more on Monday. So you can purchase more on Wednesday if you would like to, but they're just a really nice hat, $15. I think we're not making money. I mean, maybe $0.06 cent a hat. Uh, but this is just a good... Uh, way to get the church name out there and uh, open up a conversation that can lead to you sharing the gospel, amen, all from a ball cap. So if you'd like to purchase one of these, um, somebody will be out there uh, after the service and they can help you with that. If we run out, we'll put your name down and you'll be first in line to get them the next go-round. 
Okay, are you ready to worship the Lord? I know I am. That's why I'm here. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you that you've already gone before us this morning, Lord. That you already have the ear of the Father, Lord. That you're interceding on our behalf. And right now, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us lay aside every distraction, Lord. That we just focus on you. It's all about you, Jesus. You're the only one who can help us, Lord. You're the only one who can save who can heal, who can deliver, Lord. And we come expecting for you to do all of that and even more today, Lord. We pray that you just come, that you move and have your way. We'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, how beautiful are you, Lord. It's your words. It's your
Oh, yeah. 
praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you.
Spirit. And I can't help but think how we're going to sit and just honor Him for who He is and worship Him. When you read in Revelation 5 and verse 11, it says, And beheld, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne of the beast and the elders, and the number of them were ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom, strength, honor, and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. You might as well get used to worshiping him. How long? Forever. Forever, forever. You don't think you have a reason you're standing here. You're in this place. You have a reason to worship Him, to praise and adore Him. But you don't know what I've been going through. I can tell you whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, He is greater than it. You might as well begin to praise and worship His name this morning. Lord, we thank You for Your presence in this place. Thank You, Lord, for what You're doing. We praise You for what You're going to do. Lord, we pray that again you just have your way, that we decrease and you increase. We give you all honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to receive an offering for, for Paris and Mary Beth to bless them. Uh, we always do this. They don't ask. They don't charge. There's no amount that they set. They come to preach the goodness of God, the gospel. So come and bless them. If you have tithe to give, if you mark that, it'll go to the appropriate place. But otherwise, everything will go to bless them. So come and give this morning. For anyone who's ever seen mountains of this and just disappear. For anyone who's ever felt the hand of heaven reach down through their fears. And dry the tears Any life that once was empty Now finds itself alive and full of soul Then you'll understand the reason For the way the saints of God may carry on When I shout, no one shouting From the heart that's been washed clean When I run, no one running when the past has been redeemed Too early, I look crazy There's just no telling what you're gonna do In that moment, Jesus gets a hold of you For anyone who knows the hope Keeps on moving on through trouble days For anyone who knows they have a future and Beyond the grave. Every life's a different story. How we brought us out of darkness into light. There's no way to keep us silent. Every breath's another chance to testify. When I shout, no, I shout. From my heart that's been washed clean When I run, no, I'm running From my past has been reading To the world and I look crazy There's just no telling what you're gonna do
in church are alive or not we're alive in Christ you got a reason to testify you got a reason to worship and adore his name this morning he's good he's good church he's good oh we can't praise him long enough 
Oh, you're tired on him. He ain't tired on you. He didn't quit on you. He hadn't stopped on you. He didn't cancel you out. He didn't forget about you when you forgot about his goodness. He was still there at your lowest moment. He was there at your highest high and your lowest low. He deserves our worship and praise this morning. It's all right. I ain't going to preach. Don't worry about it. I could, but I'm not going to. I just really came up here to tell you, Children's Church, y'all staying in here to get the word this morning. Uh, other than that, brother, you come on up and bless the people. <laughs> y'all just hang out for a minute. I got to hear it again. I've never heard that song. Can we, uh, can y'all put that back up that, um, my past, not, not the bridge, but the uh, chorus when I shout. Can we put that back up on the screen? <laughs> read it. Read it. I don't know how in the world you could read that and stay seated. I don't know how in the world you could read that and actually have known what it means and stay in your seat. Because look at what it says when I shout. I know I'm shouting from a heart that's been washed clean. When I run, I know I'm running from a past that's been redeemed. If you've been born again, you're blood bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. To the world, it might look crazy. There's just no telling what you're going to do in that moment. Jesus gets a hold of you. I remember that moment. I still feel it today. I remember that moment. He's getting a hold of some hearts in this room today. He's getting a hold of some lives in this room today. You've been living miserable and bound up by sin. And He's come for you today. He's come for you today. Y'all just take it as you feel led. Let's testify tonight or today. Come on as he changed you. My past erased, my name he changed, let's testify. Has he changed you today? My past erased, my name he changed, let's testify. My past erased, my name he changed, let's testify. Testify. My past erased, my name he changed, let's testify. When I shout, no, I'm shouting, but my heart's been washed clean. When I run, no, I'm running, but my past has been reading. To the world, it might look crazy. Tell them what you're gonna do In that moment 
world if I go crazy There's just no telling what you're gonna do Take that moment Jesus gives a all of you Come on, somebody needs to testify in this place today. Come on, somebody needs to testify in this place today. <laughs> my past erased, my day being changed, let's testify. My past erased, my day being changed, let's testify. today. You know, I'll testify for a minute, bound up by alcohol, bound up by tobacco, bound up by every type of stripe of sin that you can think of. White knuckling a pew eight years ago in the middle of nowhere, West Virginia. Miserable with the life that I've been living, needing a change. And as I wept in the presence of God, I said, Lord, I don't really know what to do but if you'll deliver me from alcohol and tobacco, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And in a moment and in an instant and in the twinkling of an eye, I was born again. So when I shout, I know I'm shouting <laughs> from a heart that's been washed clean. When I run, I know I'm running from a life that's been redeemed. Oh, I know who I have believed. And I know He's faithful. I know in whom I have believed. To the world it might look crazy. There's just no telling what you're going to do. In that moment, Jesus gets a hold of you. Lord, we just love you this morning. We've come to thank you this morning for our lives that have been changed. Lord, I thank You this morning that You didn't leave us where we were, but You came to where we were, Lord. You met us in the darkest, deepest recesses of our lives, and You pulled us out, Lord. You've always been faithful to show up when we need You, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor just all over this place. Lift your hands and lift your voices to Him. Just speak your praise to Him this morning. He's worthy of it all this morning. He's worthy of it all. He loves you today. He loves you today. He loves you today. He loves you today. 
He's come for you today. He's come for you today. Hallelujah. Monday araba mahata raba si andara mahai. Monday araba kita raba soye araba si. We worship you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. You're worthy. We've come to lift up your name, to exalt you, to praise you, Lord, because you changed us. You've changed us. You've changed us. Let him fill you this morning. Let him fill you to overflowing with his spirit, with his presence. That's why he comes like this. That's why he moves like this to fill you to overflowing with himself. Monde araba mahatarabasi. Monde araba ko marabasi. Can we go to amazing grace for just a few minutes? Just go ahead and continue to worship him. He's worthy of it. Worthy of it. Hallelujah. Have your way. We give it all to you today. We lay it all at your feet, Lord. Have your way, precious Lord. Just thank you today, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't you testify today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Where you feel led. Where you feel led. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How sweet.
on, just believe it this morning. Been there. Ten thousand years. this place give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning hallelujah you may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord you know I'm can somebody help me with the name of the man who wrote amazing grace his name slipped in my mind John Newton thank you John Newton was a slave trader he was a slave trader that uh, he was a he was a man who was demon-possessed there was a period of time in his life where they actually held him in a cage and people would walk by and mock at him and scorn him because he was literally so demon-possessed that he was absolutely out of his mind. He was crazy. And he had gotten a charter to take a bunch of slaves across to, I don't remember where, but he was chartering some slaves and he had a slave ship and he was taking those slaves to wherever it was that he was going. And a, a big storm came up over the sea. And as they were fighting for their lives, throwing things overboard to try to save the ship, that ship was most certainly going down. And John Newton said, if you'll, he, re, he looked up into heaven and he said, if you'll take this life, what little bit of this life I have, and you save this ship, Lord, I'll give you the rest of this life. A slave trader, a demonic possessed madman, crazed and as far away from God as any person could ever be and God reached down and saved him and every one of us whether you're born again in this room or watching us by Facebook or not you have heard that song amazing grace you've heard the testimony of a foreman former madman that had been changed by the power of God's grace amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. Oh, I thank God for His saving grace today. When I run, I know I'm running. <laughs> From a heart that's been made clean. Because of that amazing grace that came and changed my life. Has He changed your life this morning? <laughs> Isn't He worthy of it? Give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Mm. Thank you, singers. Thank you, musicians. It is such an honor to be in the presence of God. And we have most certainly been in the presence of God this morning. 
Man, I'm going to have to look that song up on YouTube. I have not heard that before. That's powerful. <laughs> uh, but what, what an amazing moving of the Holy Spirit we have felt so far this morning. I believe the Lord's laid something on my heart that I'd like to deliver to you. Before I do, I want to make one more announcement, one more pitch, if you will. I wouldn't be any good kind of dean of students at a college if I didn't make a pitch for the college. So, um, For those of you who don't know who I am, uh, my name is Paris Reagan. I'm a, a youth pastor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at Jimmy Swaggart Ministries. do a lot of ministering there. I do a lot of things there. And one of the things that I do... Um, is I'm the Dean of Students at Jimmy Swaggart Bible College. And it didn't start that way. I started as a student. I was a fellow student with uh, Brother Terrence here and a few others. Um, well, it wasn't fellow students, but they've, there's a few other Bible College students in the room too. And uh, it, it, that college is so unique. It would be a disservice if you're, going, if you're coming out of high school or maybe you're not sure what to do with your life, you're already out of high school. It would be a disservice to yourself to not at least give it a thought. Jimmy Swaggart Bible College changed my life. Changed my life. Chapel services, the classroom setting, the, uh, the dorm room setting, just, uh, just a place where the Holy Spirit was allowed to move whenever in the world he wanted to. And I am so thankful, and you know, honestly, those chapel services, <laughs> probably some of the most powerful church services that I've ever been in in my life. It's a shame that they're not televised, but um, maybe one day. But it's just a dynamic setting. I promise you that you'll never be the same again. We got some cards out in the lobby. Um, it's got a QR code on it. It'll take you directly to our website. Um, and one of the things that I always like to tell people is that we are very inexpensive. You're talking about $3,000 a semester. Um, in the college climate that we're talking about these days, that is very cheap, right? So um, it's a great place for your, uh, your young person. And another thing, we are moving towards accreditation. Um, so they, they're not just going to come to get an education. They'll come to get a legitimate education, and they'll experience the presence of God. What, what more could you want? So... Um, again, uh, those are out in the lobby. Pick those up if you, if you feel that you should uh, take a look at JSBC. If you're a grandmother or a mother and you're interested in having your kids go to Bible college, pick one up for them. Amen? promise you that they'll never be the same. I want to thank Pastor Jason and Summer Collins and your family. You guys are, we, Mary Beth and I, we say it every time, it's our favorite place to come. We love it here. We love this church, every one of you. We love every one of you. There's a phenomenal presence of God that is always here. And uh, we, it's funny, um, those more of you Mondays, Mary Beth and I, we like to keep an eye on those because we, honestly, we'd like to be there. <laughs> um, so I'm just thankful for what God is doing in this church, and we thank you for inviting us and having us here. Uh, it's, it's an honor and a pleasure, and we don't take it lightly. We really don't. We love you guys, and we thank you. Really cool to have my mom and dad in service. So glad that they came. And that young little lady right there, Ellie, she's pretty. You pretty? Yeah, you pretty. <laughs> Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. We're going to begin in verse 1. Romans chapter 7. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he lives. 
For the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband lives, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. All right, so what's Paul telling us here? I'm just going to quickly get a brief synopsis of what he's telling us here. He's given us two separate marriage analogies. And he's showing us that once we accept Jesus Christ, we become dead. Go back to Romans chapter 6. As many of you who have been baptized into Christ, you have been baptized into his death. All right, that is what causes you to walk free from the power of the sin nature which reigns over your heart like a king, according to Romans chapter 5 and verse 21. Even as sin has reigned unto death, reigned unto death, reigned. So sin as a king once reigned over the throne of your heart, but because you have been baptized into Jesus Christ, because you have been placed into his death, spiritually speaking, you have been made free. From the power of the sin nature. But not only so, you have been made free from the law. Okay? So you are dead and that has... Let me just explain briefly what death means. Death is a separation. Separation from your previous relationships of life. Right? Brother Larson, if you've ever heard him preach, he likes to talk about Fufu the cat. When Fufu the cat dies, you bury Fufu the cat. You don't keep Fufu the cat in your room and play with it, right? No, that relationship is dead. There's no point in it anymore. So you bury Fufu the cat. Well, this is the exact same thing that's happened to me and you. We are dead and we are hidden in Jesus Christ. We do not have the same relationship with sin that we used to have. We do not have the same relationship with the law that we used to have. You're, Paris, I never tried to live by the law. I know that. But does it matter? Every man, according to Galatians chapter 3, was born under the law. You all actually had a relationship with the law. And whether or not you knew it, one day you would stand before God and you would be judged by that law. Good news in Jesus, your life has been separated from the law. You're separated from the law. The relationship's not the same. But if you try to marry the law again, you are like the woman who tries to marry another man who is not her husband. You become an adulteress or an adulterer. All right? So I want to take a moment, but let me just briefly explain this. A covenant is simply a relationship. The entire Bible, every single book you read, is about a covenant. The former being the old covenant or the covenant of... You, you say, well, we don't get to the law. Well, you got the covenant that God made with Adam. You got the covenant that God made with Noah. You've got the covenant that God made with Abraham. Everything that we have ever done as humanity has been governed by covenants that God has entered into with humanity. And the most uh, prominent covenant under the Old Testament was the law. Okay, so the entire Bible is governed and directed by covenant. Covenant is simply relationship. 
It's simply all that it is. It's God's relationship and his standards of how that relationship is to function are established in those covenants. All right? So how he deals with us has been established in these covenants. Well, I've got good news for you. There's been an an establishment of a new covenant. So when you read the New Testament, you're not reading the old covenant and you're not responsible to the old covenant. Why? Because you're dead. You're dead. And you've been married to another. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So you're in a covenant today with Jesus Christ. And he has certain principles that govern that covenant. And we're going to talk about this today, a quick sermon entitled Faithfulness to God's Covenant. Faithfulness to God's covenant. Father, we love you today. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for your presence that we have felt in this place today. Truly, the Spirit of the Lord has moved among us today. We don't take it for granted, Lord. We don't deserve that. Lord, that's not something we deserve, but we are so thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the moving of the Holy Spirit that we felt among us today. There's not a person that will be able to walk out of this room and say they've never met God because they have met him today. And Lord, I want to thank you for that. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your presence among us. You are Emmanuel. You are here with us today. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for every single person in this room. I thank you for what you're doing here at Lakeside Church, Lord, and the plans that you have for this church, Lord, and the people that are going to be changed and transformed. I ask for a greater anointing on this church, a greater power to flow through each individual member of this church, Lord, because this is a community, Lord, of believers that you have touched to be a witness for you in these last days. And Lord, we just ask that you would move like a river. Let the river of God flow through Denver, North Carolina, into Charlotte, North Carolina, all through this state, all through this nation, Lord. We need the river of God flowing. So we welcome you here, Lord. We ask that you would help me today. Lord, that you would anoint me to teach. Lord, anoint me to preach. Lord, I have to have the the comforter to come and to help me teach, Lord. And I pray for every person in this room that you would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your son this morning that we could walk in the victory that you've made available for us in his life and in his death. And we give you honor and glory this morning. And everybody said amen and amen. Amen, amen. Israel had been living in Egypt for 400 years. They originally arrived there with Uh, Jacob, as a result of the supernatural ministry of Joseph. What a powerful ministry that Joseph had exhibited. But throughout time in Israel, there was a Pharaoh that came to power who did not know Joseph. And that Pharaoh made it very hard on the children of Israel to live in Egypt. In fact, he enslaved them and made them his slaves. And they began all of his building projects that were taking place, all of the things that they were doing to advance Egypt, it was done on the back of Hebrew slaves. And it became very difficult and very hard for Israel to live in Egypt. So God had a plan in in mind. 
And he sent, and I, you know, I laugh when I hear Brother Swaggart say it, but he sent the, uh, God's Navy went flowing down that river when Moses was in that little basket on the way to Pharaoh's house. And the very one that would become the thorn in Pharaoh's side was raised in his own house. And Moses, one day he sees the Egyptians harshly treating an Israel slave, and he kills that Egyptian. And then he goes out to make peace with his brothers who were fighting, saw two Israelites fighting, and he went out to make peace with them, and they said, hey, what are you going to do, kill us like you killed that Egyptian? And out of fear, he ran to the desert. But that was a part of God's plan. Because out there on the backside of the desert, he would encounter a burning bush, a bush on fire that, whose leaves were not being consumed. Could you imagine walking out here and finding a tree with leaves on it, and it's on fire and the leaves aren't being burnt? I think I'd go check it out. Because, it, well, knowing biblical history, I might need to talk to somebody over there. <laughs> and God begins to speak to him out of that bush. God's going to send Moses into Israel to be their deliverer. And God, and again, this isn't, Moses is not the deliverer here. He's just the, the voice of the deliverer. All right? So Moses goes into Egypt and he pronounced, at his word, plagues are unleashed on Egypt. And finally, Pharaoh feels as if though it's a good idea to let the children of Israel go. One supernatural, powerful sign after another, and they're released and allowed to leave. And God is ready to bring them into a promised land, a land of blessing, a land of fatness, a land of, of, of fruit. They had, when they go into the land, they send spies into the land, they come back, and two men had to take the grapevines and put them on a tree because of how big the grapes actually were, the fat of the land, the produce of the land. And God wanted to give them this abundant land. God wanted to give them this glorious land. But before He could... He knew he needed to park them somewhere and talk to them about who he is. So he parks them at Mount Sinai, and Moses spends 40 days and 40 nights in a thick, dark cloud receiving the commandments of God, the law of God. And in this law, we could summarize, summarize it quite quickly, is how to live... Let me say it this way. God is about to dwell with humanity for the very first time since the Garden of Eden. He's literally going to come down and house himself with them. He's going to tabernacle with them. But they need to know that there are certain things that he requires if you're going to live with me. Anybody ever had that in mom and dad's house? Hey, if you're going to, listen, if you're going to live with me, there's a certain way you're going to have to be. There are certain things you're going to have to do, and this is exactly what God is telling the children of Israel. I want to come live with you. It's not just, hey, I'm going to let you live with me. He wanted to come live with them. And he comes down to live with them, but he's got to teach them first how to live with him. What is the appropriate behavior? How do you conduct yourself in the presence of God? And then he also teaches them how to live with each other. So the law is summarized, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That's how Jesus summarized the law. How do we live in the presence of God and how do we live with one another? So he parks them and he establishes a covenant with them. And one of the things that we find as we study this covenant is that it mirrors the types of covenant 
that conquering nations would create with the nations that they conquered during that time period. We call them Hittite treaties or vassal covenants. So he establishes a vassal covenant with Israel. Ultimately, what a vassal covenant is, is a powerful nation has overcome a weaker nation, and they're going to allow that weaker nation to uh, experience the blessings and the privileges and the protection of the greater nation. And this is exactly what's just happened to Israel. God just delivered them with a mighty strong hand. He just conquered, he did conquer Egypt, but in essence, he was conquering Israel. You know what? Eight years ago, he conquered Paris. And he's conquered some of you. We put up a good fight. You know, but the good thing about in Romans chapter 5, he said, even when we were enemies with God, he commended his love towards us. Even when we were actively rebelling and rejecting and fighting against God, He loved us anyway. Man, even when we were in rebellion against Him, rejecting Him, not wanting anything to do with Him, I might be describing some people in this room, He still loves you. You say, well, I don't fight against God. I don't really think about God. I don't care about God. The idea that you think that you can live without God is war against Him. That's war in itself. Because you believe that there's some type of righteousness that you've attained that's greater than his. But he conquered Egypt. He conquered Israel. And he enters into a covenant with them. And in this covenant, we find a few specific things. So in a covenant, you would, uh, you would see in these different types of covenants, you would see a preamble. All right, this would be how the covenant would actually begin. And what it was was just all the different titles of the king of the conquering nation. So they would list those titles of that king of that conquering nation so everyone would know who it was they were being subjected to. Whose rule and authority that they were to give honor and uh, homage to. Who they were to serve. Ultimately, who they were to worship and submit and surrender their lives to. And in Exodus 20 and 2, as God in essence is establishing his prologue, he says this, I am the Lord thy God. Now you see, you would have had to have had like, I don't know, 10, 20, 15 lines, all the honorable, well-to-do, blah, 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 king, and this, he's got this title, that title, the uh, conquering of all nations, or maybe he thought he was a god, and they would list his Davidic, his, uh, Davidic titles. <laughs> And God simply says, I am the Lord, thy God. He doesn't need a whole lot of titles. I think just, hey, I'm Lord and I'm God. I think that's probably significant enough. I am Lord and I am God. I'm the creator. In essence, what he's saying is, I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth. I establish everything and I alone am worthy of honor and praise and glory and power. Me alone. Me alone. Me alone. I am the Lord. I am your God. And then you have a historical prologue or a historical introduction that would list the events and the history that that subjected nation had with that conquering nation. In essence, they were trying to establish rapport with the nation that they had just conquered. 
Even though they had just fought them in battle and won, they still wanted to establish a good rapport with them because they wanted that conquering nation to now live under their power. So you could take, for example, one nation conquers another nation. Well, at least we didn't slaughter you. We allowed you to live. But what God says is, I, he said, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. This is his historical uh, dealings with the children of Israel. I just rescued you. Again, he's establishing rapport with them. Don't you see how good I've been to you? Do you know how good God has been to each and every one of you in this room? Why would we not want to subject our entire lives to Him? Give our entire being to Him. As I was talking about last night, literally presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Because He's worthy of it. Think of all the things, all the good things that God has done for you. So He lists that historical information and then He'll start to give the stipulations by which we are governed. All right, now that's where we get the specific. Ultimately, every single law that comes after the Ten Commandments is the outworking of those Ten Commandments. It's the, it's the application to those Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments are the major stipulation, but all those little laws that come after are all the outworkings of those Ten Commandments. This is how you're to live for me. This is Israel. This is how you're going to live for me. This is what I am asking of you and actually demanding of you. This is what I'm going to require of you. So we get those detailed stipulations. And then there's witnesses to the covenant. So you would have people who are there with the uh, conquering leader and with the leader that had just been conquered as they're establishing this covenant. And they would have witnesses that were there to see, hey, well, they entered into covenant. We watched it. We saw it. It's a legal binding contract. And God says, I call heaven and earth <laughs> to witness to this covenant today. There's no greater witnesses in the world, heaven and earth. You know, as a matter of fact, he had just used heaven and he had just used the earth to bring them out of Egypt. He's in control of it all. So he calls those witnesses together and then we have the ratification of the covenant, Exodus 24, 5 through 8. All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And they offer up sacrifices and they sprinkle blood on the children of Israel. So there is always a ratification of the covenant by blood. And they sprinkle the children of Israel who just committed themselves to doing everything that God had ever done. When in reality, you and I know the story, Israel was not able to live up to their end of the bargain. So we've, they were called to a faithfulness of covenant. Israel's relationship with God was built around his faithfulness to deliver them from their oppression in Egypt. God heard their cries and groans coming from the land of Egypt, and he entered into covenant with them by becoming their great deliverer. You know, ultimately, you and I have experienced the very same thing. The day that we were, what we were singing about this morning, when I run, I know I'm running or when I shout, I'm sorry, when I shout, I know I'm just hearing it for the first time. When I shout, I know I'm shouting from a heart that's been made clean. 
When I run, I know I'm running from a life that's been redeemed. <laughs> Listen, you, you have had that experience in your life where your heart, it was made clean. Man, I remember, I, was, I saw this come up in my news feed today. It was an old post that I had made. And I, it, I said this, I said that um, hatred is something that we welcome so much in our lives that to be delivered from it is like to be delivered from alcohol and tobacco. Because we love to hate. And I remember that there were people in my life before I got saved that I loved to hate. I hated them with everything that I had. But the moment that I was born again, the, morning, the moment that I was transformed, I no longer hated those people. There was a love in my heart for all of humanity, for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. I loved them all. So I know what it's like to have a heart made clean. You know what it's like to have a heart made clean. Your, your heart is completely changed. And the things you used to love before, you don't love them anymore. Because your heart's been cleaned. Your life's been redeemed. You've been delivered from who you used to be. You've been set free. You've been born again. Just like the children of Israel. And my God, we say, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this. We say we want to see miracles and wonders and signs. We want to see uh, crippled legs straighten out. We want to see uh, arms grow. We, want to see th we just want to see the supernatural. But the more and more and more that I think about it, that moment that God took my black heart and washed it in His red blood and made it white as snow, that has got to be the greatest miracle I will ever see in my life. God healed a, a servant, Jesus healed a servant when they came to arrest him, and that servant had no faith, and it didn't generate any faith. There was really, he just did it. So God can just heal sometimes, but when he changes a heart, when he changes a heart, when he changes who you are to look like him, that's the most powerful miracle that God could ever do. There is no greater miracle than to be born again. None. I've seen the greatest miracle I'm ever going to see. My life was changed. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know. Maybe when I get to heaven, I'll rethink that. But right now, I'm convinced. There's not a, there's not a healing miracle that God could do that would be greater than what He did in my heart. Now, don't take me wrong. I want to see God do miracles. And I believe it's our responsibility as the church today to ask Him to do it again. Because they confirm His word. And if we, need, if we want to see the gospel have the, the most powerful impact that it's going to have, we need to ask Him, do it again, Lord. Signs and miracles and wonders, do it again, Lord. I'm not taken away from those things. But man, when He changed me, Man, when he changed me. You would have had to have known who I was. You know, it was funny. We were, Mary Beth and I were home uh, over Christmas. We were back in Virginia just uh, relaxing and taking some time off, spending time with my family. And my grandmother sitting at the table, she I've heard you give your testimony. You weren't as bad as you all, you make it out to be. And I was like, Granny, only if you knew. I said, I'm far, I was far worse than I make it out to be. You, if, if only you could have seen the kind of person that I was, would you truly understand the kind of person I am today? 
trying to think of that song. Oh, I can't think it. You should have been there when I came through. <laughs> you should have been there when I came through. When I got saved, when I got changed, I became a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And one thing that we see throughout the Old Testament, as God established his law with the children of Israel, he had to raise up prophets. Prophets were not necessary if God, if the children of Israel would have kept the covenant that God created with them. Wouldn't have needed them. The reason we needed prophets was because the children of Israel did not remain faithful to the covenant that God had made with them. We call them covenant enforcement mediators. In essence, they are God's prosecuting attorneys who have stood in the presence of God and they have heard from God that the children of Israel have violated the covenant. They have not been faithful to the covenant. And they stand sometimes as a literal physical sign. Ezekiel laying on his side for what, 366 days? Something like that. Laying on his side for 300 odd days as a sign against Israel. Sometimes literally their lives would be a symbol. Sometimes it was their words, their speech, what they would say, that that would be God's way of uh, prosecuting the children of Israel. But the good news about God is that he didn't just use the prophets to tell Israel where they had gone wrong. He used those prophets to tell Israel, if you will return to me, I will restore you. I will give you back what you have, what you have forfeited in not keeping that covenant. One of the things that I forgot to mention within those covenants was the promise of blessing and cursing. Because when you enter into a covenant with God, there is a promise of blessings if you're faithful to the stipulations, but there's also a promise of cursings if you refuse to be faithful to those stipulations. Deuteronomy 28 spells it out. There are double the amount of cursings to blessings. It is a, and we see this in Hebrews, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the Lord, the hands of God. Being in covenant with God's not a joke. And he would raise up these prophets sometime, like I said, their lives would be the very sign against them. And ultimately, God does that. And he illustrates exactly what we're talking about this morning through the prophet Hosea. And he tells Hosea in uh, Chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, says, The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. For the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, which conceived and bare him a son. And then we see in Hosea 3, 1, The Lord said unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. See, what we find here in the children of Israel was adultery, unfaithfulness to the covenant that God had established with them. And according to the New Testament, you and I have entered into a greater covenant. God has established a covenant with us. It was based on promises that actually came from the prophets. Because once they saw that Israel once got, and God always knew this. This wasn't just a, a he's re reacting to what humanity is doing. He always knew where he was taking us. 
That's why we see the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. As humanity falls and fails, God promises a redemption. And then he gives us that imagery again in the law with five different sacrifices, right? Five different sacrifices to, to uh, correct the problems of humanity. And he promises us a sacrifice in the person of Jesus Christ. But when God saw that they were unfaithful, Jeremiah prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. He said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. Let me read that again. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. This is going to be a brand new covenant. You got a lot of people running around today telling you that you got to come back under the law. But according to the prophet who was living under the law is there was a covenant coming that wouldn't look like the one we're in now. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was a husband to them, says the Lord. You see it again? Spiritual adultery. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my law in their inward parts. I'll write it in their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Instead of looking at tablets of stone, God's going to place his covenant inside of them. Ezekiel said it this way. He said, then I will sprinkle clean water upon you. You shall be clean from your filthiness and from your idols. I will cleanse you. A new heart also I will give you. A new spirit I will put within you. And I will take out that stony heart of out that stony heart. I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes, you shall keep my judgments and do them. There's something new coming. And then Jesus is the one who comes to establish that new covenant. Matthew 9, 15 through 17. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them. Then shall they fast. No man puts a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put in uh, in to fill it, uh, up to taketh from the garment, and rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine in old bottles, else the bottles break and the wine runs out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Something new is coming. He's come to establish something new. And then in Matthew 26, 26 through 28, and in, a, in the other Gospels, when he's in the upper room at the Last Supper, he hands them bread. He says, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And then he gives them a cup of wine. He says, this is the blood in my new covenant. He's come to establish a new covenant. He's come to, to give us something new. We're not living under the covenant that was made with our forefathers, with our, with our spiritual forefathers, the children of Israel. We're under a new covenant, responsible to a new covenant. And God established an everlasting covenant with our representative, Jesus Christ. You know, the good thing about this new covenant is that when we, is that, and this is actually the great thing about this covenant, is it wasn't cut between us and God. It was cut between God and His Son. That makes this covenant perfect. 
The only way that you and I could ever fail at this covenant is if we marry ourselves to another. Okay? In Hebrews 13, 20, it says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Jesus literally is God's new covenant. Jesus literally has become the object of our affection, the one whose allegiance we completely belong. The veracity of this covenant is not found in your and my faithfulness to not mess up. It's found in the reality that Jesus finished it all for us on the cross of Calvary. This is a remarkable covenant. But we are called to faithfulness in this covenant. In essence, we have been given a preamble of the new covenant. Who is the essence of this new covenant? John 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of man. Verse 16. And of His fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth come by Jesus Christ. Who's the essence of this new covenant? Who are we entering into covenant with? We're entering, entering into covenant with Jesus Christ. Guess who He was? He was the one who was in the beginning. He was the one who was with God before everything was made. Not only was He with Him, He was God. Jesus Christ, that's who you're entering into covenant with. You're entering into covenant with God. The person of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. God who at sundrise time and divers manner spoke unto us and unto the fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the very express image of his person. Again, who are we talking about? We're talking about God. You are in a relationship with God. You are in a relationship with God. You are in a relationship with God. You want to know something interesting about God and about Jesus? <laughs> we find more of His divinity tracing through the book of John. And as soon as Jesus is declared who He is, John declares Him to be the Lamb of God, we see Him calling disciples. All right, we see uh, Andrew begins to follow Him, and he goes and finds Peter and brings him to meet Jesus. And then Philip begins to follow Jesus, and he goes and finds Nathaniel. And when Nathaniel gets back, he's a little perplexed about the fact that the Messiah might be coming from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? But when he shows up, Jesus said, Nathaniel, I saw you when you were sitting under that fig tree. And this amazed Nathaniel. Surely you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. That's an amazing statement for any person to be making. The fact that he's literally calling this man a Son of God. That was blasphemy during that period of time. But Jesus had divine insight. This is God that you've entered into covenant with, that you are in relationship with. He sees what you cannot see. He knows what you do not know. Some of you, God knows where you're going. Actually, all of you, God knows where you're going. He knows what's best for your life. 
He knows how to get the most production out of your life. He knows what to do. And some of you, as we were talking last night, God's dealing with you. You need to come to Bible college. I really do believe that. Because God can see ahead. He knows what's best for you. He's divine. This is who you're in relationship with. When you don't have the things that you need, he can just say, cast down your net on the right side. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's everything you need. I mean, we're talking about God, who is established in John chapter 1 as the very creator of the universe. We're talking about God. Who are you in relationship with this morning? You're in a relationship with God. I'm going to say it over and over again until you get it. Because I feel like some of you don't really realize who you get to talk to every day. Otherwise, you'd be talking to him every day. <laughs> you'd be seeking him more and more, pursuing him more and more, because you're in a relationship with God. And what's our historical prologue? <laughs> the next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. What is his history with humanity? He showed up on the scene. God. God did. And he died on our behalf. He became a lamb for us to take away the sin of humanity. Not just the guilt of sin. Not just the penalty of sin. Not just where you'll have to spend eternity because you were a sinner. No, he's taken away the very power and essence of sin. Everything that sin is, he has removed it. This is the covenant that God has entered into with you. Hebrews 10 and 9 through 10, it says, then, he, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we, all, we are all sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He has dealt with sin. That's our, uh, our history with this God that we've entered into covenant with. And then what's your personal history with him? When did he come to you and deal with your sin? When did he come to you and take your sin away? When did he come to you and change you and, re and restore and redeem your life? What's your own personal history with him? Recall his faithfulness. You know, something I, I didn't mention last night, but right before uh, we see Paul ad admonishing us to lay our lives down to him, he tells us of what a great thing it has been that he grafted in the wild olive branch. We were that wild olive branch. I'm just asking you to remember the good things that this God, this Jesus, that you've entered into relationship with, all the good things that he's done for you. This, this causes me, when I think about what He has done for me, it causes me to want to be faithful to the covenant that He has made with me. It causes me to want to go His way. It causes me to want, not want to look for some new fad or try something new or try something different or go back to the old. I just want Him. I can't explain it. I really can't. But when I met Jesus, I fell in love with Him. And He's all I've ever wanted and He's all I ever want. I just want more of Him. I've not lived perfectly since I met Him. I've not done it all perfect. I've not walked it all the right way. But I do know one thing. I always want Him. 
See, it makes me want Him. When I recall His faithfulness, when I recall His goodness, when I recall the great things that He's done for me, what's your historical prologue today? What has He done for you? What has He done for you? How has He changed you? How has He redeemed you? What has the Lord done for you? What are the stipulations of the new covenant? God's character does not change. Aspects of morality from the law are going to continue in the new covenant. But you're not called to be in a relationship with the old covenant. Even though there are aspects of that covenant that will continue under the new. Amen. God still requires, he said in Peter, be holy for I am holy. He still requires holiness. He still desires to see a holy life in each and every one of us. But what are the stipulations of the new covenant? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. What is your responsibility? Abide in the vine. Rest in the vine. You're not called to labor and to work and to get it all out of you. You're called to rest in the vine. You're called to abide in the vine. That's what you've been called to do. Romans 6 and 19 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity, to iniquity. So now yield your members, servants, to righteousness, unto holiness. God wants holiness, but you've got to yield yourself to righteousness. It literally means that as you yield yourself to God's righteous standard, holiness will be produced. So what are you called to be faithful to? The righteousness that God has established. Where is His righteousness found? In one man. Jesus Christ in one man. Jesus Christ in one man. Jesus Christ and what He has done at Calvary. He who knew no sin was made a sin offering for me that I might be called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yield to the righteousness of God and He will produce holiness in you. Come to Calvary. This is what you are called to be faithful to. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in the faith. What are you called to be faithful to? What covenant are you called to be faithful to? You have been saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. What covenant? How do you remain faithful to the covenant? It's very simple. Keep your faith in Jesus Christ and what He has done for you at Calvary. That's what you have been called to be faithful to. Faithfulness to the covenant. Paul, when he said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he then says in verse 17, for therein. First he says it's the power of God unto salvation. And then he says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. What have we been called to be faithful to? The righteous standard of God, His Son Jesus Christ, and that produces new life in us. There are blessings and cursings under the new covenant. There are blessings and cursings under the new covenant. 
Again, we're talking about being faithful to the covenant today. Being faithful to God's covenant today. Romans 8, Romans 8 and chapter two, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. In essence, the place where you will find the blessings is if you're living under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's where the blessings are found. If you're going God's way and remaining faithful to the covenant, the law of His Spirit that is of life, that is in Christ Jesus, will make you free. Will set you free. This is what you and I have been called to be faithful to. And as we're faithful to this covenant, we live under the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. But if we are unfaithful, like Israel was unfaithful to the old covenant, if we are unfaithful, like Gomer was unfaithful to Hosea, we will find ourselves under the law of sin and death. And under the law of sin and death, that is exactly what you will get. Sin and death. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, For when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. What is law? It's absolutely anything that you establish as a means of righteousness or as a means to be sanctified. That's a law. That's a law. doesn't have to be the Mosaic law. It can be absolutely any law of your own making. And you've been called to be faithful to the new covenant. And faithfulness to the new covenant will produce life in you. Ratification. I think we all know. This covenant was ratified on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ offered his life on behalf of us all. He paid a great price he paid a great price. And you know, when I think about the ratification, <clears throat> and I think about this covenant, I think about how serious of a covenant it must be. You know, it shocks me, I believe, that we think for some reason that you had to be more serious under the old covenant than you have to be under the new. And that's just not true. Why? Because this is a better covenant and it's built upon better promises. If it's a better covenant, and there's better promises, then that must mean it must be much more serious. You know, I'm thinking about the cost of the covenant. You know, in the Old Testament, it wasn't the same cost. It was a lamb. It was an animal. Yeah, it ran you financially sometimes, but it wasn't the same as God giving us His Son. The very Son of God coming from heaven and dying on the cross of Calvary for me? That's a serious covenant. That's a serious commitment that God is making with us. A serious relationship that He's entering into with us. And He wants us to take the relationship serious. And you know, it's not just law that you and I marry ourselves to. Ezekiel said, I'll cleanse you from your filthiness and I'll cleanse you from your idols. You know, because sometimes we're marrying ourselves to... An idol. Something that we want more than we want God. Something that we care about more than we care about Jesus Christ. 
I've seen people make idols of relationships. I've seen people make idols of athletic talent. I've seen people make idols of businesses. I've seen people make idols of absolutely everything. And there is nothing that is worth the adoration and the attention and the love as what Jesus Christ has done at Calvary. Not a thing in this world. He's calling us to be faithful to the covenant. Faithful to the covenant. He said this in Hebrews 10, 26-31, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Listen, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God, who has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith we are sanctified an unholy thing, and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Verse 31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This relationship that you're in with Jesus, and let me say something quickly. I I love the fact that there are so many youth in here. There's no junior varsity in the body of Christ. You're either a part of the church or you're not. You're not the church in training. You are in a relationship with the Son of God today. And you are called to the same faithfulness and the same responsibilities of that covenant as everyone else in this room. We're called to faithfulness to the covenant. And I don't say that with, listen, I say that and I, when I, I preach in Crossfire all the time. And as I think about, and I'm praying, and I'm in our prayer meetings that we have every Tuesday night, thinking about our youth and the messages that we preach to them, they're heavy. They're very heavy. And that has been the case since I arrived at Crossfire. There are heavy messages. At IYC, there are heavy messages. Why? Because this relationship, this new covenant, what God has done at Calvary, it is a very heavy reality. And its implications are upon all. And I think about how, we ha- how young people have to grow up and go through all those different ways of thinking about life that we all went through. And they have to make a serious note of living for God and being responsible to this new covenant. But the same is true for all of us. We are all responsible to be faithful to this new covenant. Violating the new covenant carries a price none of us should even contemplate wanting to pay. So what I'm asking this morning is for some of us, maybe many of us, maybe just a few of us, to come back to our first love. Singers and musicians, you can make your way back today. But just come back to your first love. Come back to that place where you first met Him. Because even though you might have not been faithful to that covenant that you initially started with Him at the cross of Calvary, maybe you have been unfaithful. But He's calling you back today. Just like He raised up the prophets under the old covenant to call them back to faithfulness to the covenant, faithfulness to His covenant that He had entered into with them. He is calling us all. And as I think about it, I think about those covenant enforcement mediators, God's prosecuting attorney. Every single church 
that is preaching this message, the message of the cross, is a prophetic voice to the church in these last days. We're calling the body of Christ, young and old, back to faithfulness to the covenant that God established with us on the cross of Calvary. Stand to your feet this morning. Wherefore, my brethren, you are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Is your life bearing fruit today? That might be what dictates whether or not we're being faithful to the covenant. Is your life bearing fruit today? I'm not talking about what you're wearing necessarily. I'm not talking about what days you show up to church. I'm not talking about how many times you go to prayer, or how many times you read your Bible, or how many verses you read when you read your Bible. I'm asking you this morning, is there fruit of a changed life inside of you? Is there fruit being produced in your life today? That might dictate whether or not you and I have been faithful to the covenant. And I don't know what they feel led to sing today, but what I'm asking you to do is just simply this. God is calling us. He is calling the church. He's calling all of us simply back to that first love where we met Jesus and we fell in love for the very first time. He wants to renew that love in you. And here's what I'm going to ask all of us to do as a matter of fact. I want as many of you as you can come down to these altars this morning and we're going to renew that covenant. Maybe you haven't walked away from it, but we're just going to lay our lives down one more time and we're going to renew that covenant with our Lord today. So as they sing, why don't you come down to these altars and let's make a commitment that we're going to go His way, that we're going to follow Him, that we're going to be obedient to His covenant as you feel led. Getting everything we want We are weary of Living this Hallelujah Lord just have your way give us all Seeking your hand And watch your face Hallelujah Come and empty us Father we You're worthy of it all today Lord we make a commitment to you again today, Lord, just to lay our lives at your feet. Yes, Lord, yes. Monde Lord, have your way here today. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise, Lord. We worship you. You're worthy of it all today, Lord. Monde araba sora mahanda labaki. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We lay our lives before you again, Lord. You're worthy of it all today. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, give us revelation. Healing. Nothing else will do. We want more and more and more and more of you. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the covenant that you cut with us at Calvary. 
we thank you for the blood of your son Jesus Christ Lord we thank you for Calvary we thank you for his broken body we thank you for his poured out blood we thank you that the veil of his flesh has been broken that we may enter into your very presence this morning and live and sup and commune with you Lord thank you for Calvary thank you for the blood today Lord, we renew our commitment to only go by way of Calvary. Lord, renew that first love, that first fire, that first zeal in our hearts, Lord. Restore that love, Lord. Renew that fire that once burned bright and deep in our souls, Lord. That lamp of our first love, let it burn bright for the entire world to see. And Lord, we ask You, Lord, that You would make our lives like the prophets. That it would, our very lives would testify of the kingdom of God. Of the Son of God. And of the life of Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to make a commitment to call Your church back to Calvary back to the foot of the cross where there is freedom where there is blessing where there is liberty where there is promise where there is hope back to the cross back to the cross back to the cross come back to the cross come back to the covenant come back to the covenant father we commit ourselves to it all over again today we renew this covenant with You, Lord. And we promise faithfulness to this covenant and to this covenant alone. No more allegiance to the idols of this world. No more allegiance to the old covenant, Lord. We commit our lives to the new, to what You've done at Calvary. We give it all to You today. We honor You, Lord. We love You. We worship You. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. we uh, dismiss just feel led to uh, have Paris Mary Beth you guys would just come up and summer if you'll come up here as well I don't know where Ter there's Terrence I'm sure Melissa's there's Ter uh, Melissa I don't know if you can make your way up here if Malachi's asleep or not but I just want us to pray and uh, Dennis and Leslie you guys come as well uh, pray for Paris and Mary Beth God has given them a great platform. And I know they don't take it lightly. And I know that from the day that we met them, the Lord had His hand on their life. And I know that uh, sometimes we may think, Lord, what next? And I believe everything with you that uh, the impossible is possible. It's been great but it's going to be greater because he is worthy. And I want to just say something because the Lord dropped it in my spirit this, this morning that a lot of times we get ideas in our minds that preachers and evangelists, they've got it all, you know. They just ask the Lord and they've got it. But they have desires of their own, right? Things that they're believing the Lord for. 
And I just want us to join our faith together and believe with them for great things. The Lord, you know, we, we go and we minister and we pour our hearts out. And sometimes we think, but Lord, have you forgotten about us? You know, we, we minister to the, the crowds, but, but what about us? But I want you to know that the Lord sees your hearts and he hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forgotten you. But he's going to work. He's going to move. And he's going to give you the desires of your heart. So let's just join our faith together with them today. Lord, we just come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Paris and Mary Beth, for their heart, for the call of their lives. Thank you, Lord, for the platform you've given them. But we, Lord, we know that greater is in store. Lord, for every tear they've cried, for every prayer, for every, every desire of their heart, Lord, we know that you are going to bring it to pass. Lord, for things that may seem absolutely impossible, for things that people may seem that are absurd, Lord, we join our faith with them and we believe, Lord, not for a city, not for just a nation, but for the world. And I pray that you use them to be a vessel you pour through, a voice in the wilderness, Lord, an arm that reaches out to hug those that may seem to be rejected or, or passed by. Lord, and we just pray that you bless them immensely in every area of their life. Father, I pray that we just stand firm and fast and we join our faith with them, Lord, and believe you for a mighty outpouring and a moving, Lord, not only in their lives, but those that they minister to. We thank you, Father, we give you the glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. We thank you guys for coming this weekend. If you don't have a home church, you're more than welcome here. Uh, come as you are and let the Lord change you how he will. And uh, we, we love you guys. We pray for you. Uh, join us Tuesday morning. Our Bible study will be online. Wednesday services. Uh, Tuesday night prayer every Tuesday. But otherwise, we love you guys. Uh, there is no PM service tonight. Um, if you want to tune into our Yadkinville campus, you're more than welcome to do so. That will be there. But uh, be blessed, and uh, we will 